Welcome to the Fair Talks podcast, where we educate everyday people for extraordinary change. I'm your host, Alicia Chan, the executive director of Fair Trade LA, a community of business members, nonprofits, and fair trade enthusiasts driving proactive, sustainable solutions for a fairer world. I'm also a social entrepreneur with a passion for ending poverty and creating dignified jobs. Together, we'll explore how fair trade changes lives and communities and what we can do to address some of the world's biggest problems right in our own homes. Let's dive in. Fair Talks is brought to you by Fair Trade USA, the organization that brings you the Fair Trade certified label. Fairtrade USA is committed to building an innovative model of responsible business, conscious consumerism, and shared value to eliminate poverty and enable sustainable development for farmers, workers, their families, and communities around the world. Today's conversation is truly about empowering women, because when you invest in women, you invest in their families and their communities. Fair trade is about creating dignified jobs for the marginalized to help alleviate poverty. And today, we get to highlight a particularly marginalized group of people, the Palestinian women. There has been an ongoing political conflict and unrest for the Palestinians since 1948, where over 700,000 people were forcibly displaced. As a result, today there are over 7 million Palestinian refugees scattered throughout the world. On top of these political conflict and history, being a woman, a Palestinian woman, brings with it a lot more barriers to find reliable work, preventing them to thrive and provide for their family. According to the International Labor Organization, unemployment rates in the West Bank have increased over the past several years, with unemployment rates as high as 63% for young women. But today, we sit down with an amazing woman, professor, and now entrepreneur who is making a lasting impact in the lives of these women by providing these talented refugees training and fair-paying job opportunities. Dr. Jeanette Habashi was born and raised in Jerusalem and is currently a professor of educational psychology at the University of Oklahoma. Her research focuses on socio-political issues surrounding children and youth in a multitude of societies and cultures, as they continue to be a marginalized group in many societies. As an experienced professor, researcher, and advocate for women, Dr. Jeanette is driven by her passion for teaching and gender justice. She founded Child's Cup Full Association, a nonprofit that creates sustainable economic opportunities for low-income women in the West Bank with her graduate students. The local Palestinian community appreciated their assistance, but a group of mothers looking for a long-term solution to their economic strife approached and asked Dr. Jeanette if she could help them find jobs, because by having jobs, they can stop depending on charity and provide for their own children. Since then, Dr. Jeanette has started two fair trade companies to create jobs for these local mothers. The first one is Zeki Learning a children's educational resource brand creating high-quality learning materials that promote cognitive development and language learning for preschoolers. All the educational toys are handmade by Palestinian mothers. And the second is Darza, a fashion and home decor brand where everything is handmade using their traditional Tatris embroidery. 
Dr. Jeanette has generously offered an exclusive discount to both of her brands. As always, stick around till the end for the discount code. I think you will really enjoy this episode and find our conversation very inspiring. Welcome. Thank you so much for diving into this conversation with me, Dr. Jeanette. Thank you for the invitation. It's an honor. I am so excited to talk about all the things that you do because there's a lot. I don't know how you do it. But before we dive into all the amazing work you're doing and all the different companies you're running, I want to learn more about your background, where you were born and raised, and what brought you to the U.S. So I was born and raised in Palestine. I was born in the old city, Jerusalem. Actually, literally, my house is maybe I could get to the Holy Sepulchre where Jesus was crucified, maybe five minutes walk. Wow. Like, it's literally when somebody tells me, like, I'm like, I live on the top of the Holy Sepulchre. Wow, I want to visit so bad. One of these days, I want to visit. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. You you could smell history. You could mm. taste history. When I traveled the first time outside, and somebody took me around in England and say, here is the Roman remains. And I'm like, how old of these <laughs> remains? They said 200. I'm like, this is yesterday for yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 a beautiful place. Mm. I love it. So I was born and raised in Palestine, mm. and I'm proud Palestinian. Yeah, and what brought you to the U.S.? So I have an interesting journey. So I did my undergrad in Bethlehem as a social worker, mm. and then I got a scholarship by the British government to go and do my master degree. Mm. Then I started doing my PhD at the Hebrew U, and then I got a scholarship and moved to the U.S. to do my PhD. Wow, you are so smart. <laughs> no, 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 wonder, no. no wonder you've taken on so many projects. You, We need your brain power in this world. <laughs> no, no, no. I so think you, I enjoy learning. Yeah. So you are now a professor at the University of Oklahoma teaching educational yes. psychology. So what made yes. you choose that field? So this is like I, I work at the University of Oklahoma Department. It's human relations. It's interdisciplinary. Mm -hmm. So what I'm interested always in, in like development is like how we came to be who we are. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting you, everybody, you know, everybody I know is I find their stories is very interesting. I'm like always curious about how did, did you do yeah. this or that? Yeah. So I think part of it is my curiosity. Part of it is like, I feel if you know someone, your imagination will expand. Mm. So I started my learning as a social worker because I felt that there's so much needs that people can help and, uh, mm. you know, and I've learned that the only thing you could do is make life less painful rather than you cannot give a solution to anybody. Mm. So that's my goal in life is I'm curious and I want to make life less painful. Mm. Wow. And I feel like what you studied is so relevant, so needed during this time, especially after COVID and uh, especially for children. 
And I love now you've been able to use your background and your profession to help empower women in Palestine and create beautiful products for children. So, okay, before we dive into that, tell us how and why you founded your nonprofit, A Child's Cup Full. So this is what I love about being in higher education. And I feel it's a responsibility. I feel higher education provides you with a lot of opportunity. We're considered to be like less than 1% of the population in higher education, Mm -hmm. but it's a privileged position. Mm -hmm. But it gives you access to a lot of things. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the knowledge. It's the place you build knowledge, you gain knowledge, you deconstruct knowledge, you challenge knowledge. So I have that opportunity. I have the network. And I felt that being part of that group, like we are an elite, is you have a responsibility. So I started nonprofit because I felt there is a privilege I have and Mm -hmm. I have access to privilege. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to give back, not only like in terms of intellectual and writing and doing research, which I do, but in, in, in... in terms of like changing certain things in for individual on a daily basis, like, mm. you know, who, who might not be impacted by my research directly, but maybe I can do something to their daily life. So yeah. I started uh, the nonprofit with my graduate students. We did a, a conference in Palestine and we, some of my students wanted to come and I said, we're not going to do this academic tourism, which you go and go to a conference and look at the people and you leave. That's a little bit, I find it a little bit challenging, you know, because it's not a show and tell project. And we came and we started fundraising. And from there, like we were the first few years, the fund where uh, we collected, we didn't have a register number. We worked with a community in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who gave us like an account in their mm. nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And this is the way we started. We started fundraising for after school program. Mm. Then the mother asked us for jobs. And this is where we had to transform, reframe, and rethink about our organization, our child's couple. Yeah, I loved it when you shared with me that during one of the after school programs you guys did. The women came up to you, the moms came up to you and said, you know, what we really need is jobs. Yes, that's true. Because in a way, we're doing fundraising for after school programs. The mothers came and say, we'll take care of the children. Mm-hmm. If you give us a job, we can take our impact is bigger yeah. rather than only the child, because we can take care of our one son. We can take mm-hmm. care of our whole family and yeah. community. But that's... That's why I'm so passionate about job creation is truly the key to helping in poverty and empower people and keep families together. Um, I think e- economy, mm-hmm. economic power, mm-hmm. you know, it's huge. Like yeah. if you want to empower any woman, give her a job. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. Be part of, yeah. And that's why we're, we're both in the fair trade world. It's yes. about empowering people through fair wages. Yes. So yeah, tell us now about the first company you started, the first social enterprise called Ziki Learning. It's not just any product, but it's yes. using your educational psychology background to make something useful and functional to help children learn. So tell us more about that company. So the Ziki Learning, so I like the way you say it. Ziki and 
and uh, it's Zeki. So Zeki. okay, Zeki so Zeki and Ziki. It's 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 the the idea you're playing with words. It's mm. in in Arabic. Zeki is smart learning. Zeki, Zeki ah. is sweet learning. Ah. So it's like whoever say it, <laughs> it's it's going to land on something. You know? <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's what we were trying to do. So. Because of my background and my network, I, I have mm. to give credit to all of the people who've been helping me in academia is mm. to do educational toys from surplus. So we go and collect these fabrics that furniture or workshop is not using, like a meter or two meters or a yard or mm. you know pieces. We go and collect them and get them by kilos, and we do toys with them. Mm. So we classify them according to color, but not like like red. My, one product might be red, but it's different shade of red than the other red, but mm -hmm. we classify them and we learned how to use these surplus product fabric and do toys. So we started doing these toys and I work with other uh, faculty who come and say, oh, do this. I have somebody who said we don't have a toy that talks about diversity. We need a toy about diversity. We need mm. toys and women and girls in science. So we did the solar system with a woman. Wow. In, uh, and so we are trying to figure out the best toy that we can use with the fabric because mm. we're certified with the fabric. So we are safe also product, not only fair trade, but we're safe product. Mm. So we're very careful about what we use in the product. And all of it is handmade. Like the calendar, for example, it takes uh, more than 35 hours, mm. each calendar. Mm. And it's ridiculous. It's handmade stitches. Yeah. And some toys take eight hours. Some toys takes three hours. It's like, yeah. and it's, it, it's like, I admire the patience of the women mm. and they enjoy it. They enjoy mm. that. It's, it's cool that there is multiple message in it. It's like mm. mothers are doing it. It's for education for children. And it's like you're keeping the environment clean. Otherwise, these yeah. crabs will go to trash landfill. So That's yeah, such a great, great model. That's yeah. an amazing model. Do the children of these women get to play with these toys too? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we get feedback from them. And the point is even the women enjoy doing mm -hmm. it because the colors, the textures, all yeah. of this is exciting. Yeah. Wow. Sorry to interrupt, but we got to tell you this. Did you know that Fairtrade LA led the campaign that officially designated Los Angeles the largest fair trade city in North America and the fourth largest in the world? We are a nonprofit that exists because of the support from people like you. Become a Fairtrade LA monthly donor to ensure this educational content reaches as many people as possible. Go to fairtradela/donate to pledge your support. Thanks for letting me interrupt. Let's get back to the episode. Kids nowadays have so many toys, yes. but it's so important to find ones that actually have educational value. And I love that you put thought into all of these things with your colleagues. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. So for our listeners, if you have kids, definitely go on their website, which will be on our show notes. And there is a discount code at the end of the episode. So yes. <laughs> now you then started a second company called yes. Darza. 
um, making beautiful, I said that correctly, <laughs> making beautifully embroidered bags and shoes. So share what inspired you to start the second company. Not because I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Let's <laughs> make that clear. <laughs> we got a lot of application, jobs application when we started Zeki Learning. And remember, I have no background in business or marketing or anything that actually can facilitate building a business. So I'm like still learning. But it's the idea is you have a lot of application. There is a need for jobs. Mm-hmm. And we said, okay, what we can do to at least employ more women with with less training and how we can do it. That was the initial idea. But mm-hmm. it ended up to be more work or equally as a lot of work as the other one. So the unique thing about the, uh, Derza is we um, uh, employ or incorporate Tatris, which is a Palestinian art craft. Mm. And we use it usually in uh, home decor in Palestine and in dresses. So that kind of art craft, like traditionally you wear a dress mm. and the dress takes six to eight months to complete because wow. it's hand stitch is like ridiculous, too much work, but wow. it's beautiful. When you yeah. see one, it's like, God, it's yeah. so pretty. Yeah. So we thought how we can use that, you know, art and, and use it in, in everyday work mm-hmm. uh, or style or dress. And uh, this is the way we started. Like we need to take this tradition, this art, from a Palestinian home to the global market to mm-hmm. share that art and our narrative mm-hmm. and history in building it. Because the art takes more, you know, it started more than 3,000 years ago and mm-hmm. there have been research on it and how like there is part of Byzantine time and all of this mm-hmm. good time. So we started with this, we started shoes because mm-hmm. traditionally you could not put the trees on, on shoes. It was a community discussion if we should mm-hmm. do it on shoes. Still, there's a lot of people who say still it's hard for them to have the trees on shoes because it's culturally is dresses, pillows, you know, mm-hmm. home decor. And it's, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, the, the reason is that you view, view, view shoe as it's dirt mm-hmm. that you're walking on dirt and you yeah. don't want to make pollute the art, yeah. which I understand that. So we hired more women with Darza and uh, most of our people who buy from us are in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And it's it's beautiful. We, mm-hmm. we love it. We work with shoemakers in Hebron in the South, which mm-hmm. it's this art has been from... You know, they've been working in shoes for generations from, I think, the guy we work with, his grandfather started the workshop. So they have three, four generations experiences. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. We're even like now we're trying to, you know, the Tatris is that every region in Palestine have a specific motif, like mm-hmm. what it means motif, like, you know, village was like, this motif is for certain village, this mm-hmm. color is for certain village. Interesting. Yeah, so it's like you can you can know the person where they come from, from mm-hmm. the dress. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't need to say which dress they are, like yeah. which village 
is from the dress. And we are now training our artisans with a new style of the trees, which is tahrir, which is totally different mm. techniques that mm. is focused on the Bethlehem area, yeah. which is it's a little bit complicated. Mm. So we're starting and we want to bring that art also to our Darza product. Yeah. And we're thinking about different ways to bring yeah. that art. So you mentioned it takes like six to eight months to make the dresses. How about yeah. the bags and the shoes on your site? Yes. So the shoes takes like the full to three shoes, uh, the gray or the red, it takes like 18 hours. Mm -hmm. And if your size is like 41 or 42. That's that me. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> is it? Yes. <laughs> okay you don't look like, like and it's like that's the challenge mm -hmm. is that it's it's not like you can say this is the same amount of work but right. we price our product on 38 size the average mm -hmm. so like a pillow there's a pillow carnation pillow it takes almost 11 12 hours to finish mm. and it's not the same thing it's like if i want to do the work maybe it will take me three months right yeah so like, it's, these it's, are professional women <laughs> yes. who's been doing so this their whole this. life so it's not yeah so we have to emphasize that it's like nobody can take that out and say i can finish it yeah. in 11 hours. it's impossible yeah so it's it's a lot of work Mm -hmm. It's like every piece you buy is like, you know, it wasn't in a factory. You know that yeah. there's multiple hands, multiple people have contributed to it. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. The products are beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Encourage our listeners to go check it out. Now, I know the challenges of working abroad. I work with artisans in Haiti. But I feel like working with the artisans in Palestine and the other part of the world has got its own set of challenges. Yes. yes. So can you share what are some of the biggest challenges you've had to deal with? Think about it is I'm in the U.S. Mm -hmm. We started the project with $4,000. Mm. Is We are working in the West Bank in the north. So the women, they do the trees in the north. They have to bring it down to the south, which is the shipment. Then if you want to do shoes, we have to go in Hebron to do mm -hmm. shoes. So it's it's not centralized, which is, I'm okay with that because that's the intention is to spread our impact. Yeah. If we're thinking about the profit, we, can, we, we should not have started this project because yeah. we're, there's no money in it. Yeah. But the idea is the impact. Yeah. So that's that challenge is the logistic and think about this like there's traffic, there's Israeli checkpoints, there's unpredictability all the time, political unpredictability. And then we are working with five villages, two refugee camps and two cities. Okay. Mm -hmm. And our leading artisan has to go and talk with you know different artisans from home because you cannot do eight hours of the trees it's it's traditionally never done has been yeah. done this way it's like between shores i'm having tea i will do some tatris i'm yeah. like i'm teaching you know i'm teaching my son something and i will do tatris while i'm doing this so logistically sometimes is that the women don't have the skills to complete the task because we you know we're 
we, we have certain set of skills, but we don't have an ongoing training on mm. production, new ideas. Mm. We, we have logistic uh, issues in terms of, you know, bringing the product to the U.S., which is, which is okay. It's like it, it, everything takes three times more than usual things. Yeah. Okay. And, and we have to consider that in our process. Mm-hmm. But uh, the surprising factor was still alive. And we are like, people know about us. And I'm like, I pinch myself all the time. It's like, wow, we are here. We're still alive. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're doing something right. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So without you being there, what would you say are some key elements you've had to set in place for everything to come together in operation? I think making sure that the artisans have an ownership in the process. Mm, yeah. So we are fair trade and we give salaries for our main artisans. You know, we give them benefit, everything what we can. Mm. But I think the, the our success, I think part of it is they have an ownership of the process. They know that the organization, the nonprofit, was established to help mm. the woman. Yeah. Is like, I think, and they feel that. They, yeah. they have a strong identity that they are part of CCF. Mm. Like they walk proud and say, I'm like, I'm an employee and I'm yeah. like part of CCF. And you, you cannot buy that with any yeah. salary. That's why I think part of it is. We don't have a supervisor. Mm. Uh, we we work on WhatsApp. We talk on WhatsApp. Mm. And a part of it is this ownership, is that they feel they have an ownership. They're part of the process. And they want to grow. It's like, let's bring more. It's like they want to help other women because all the time they've been asked from their neighbors, from their community, can we get a job? Mm-hmm. So I think part of the success is their identity we it it happened by default I think and they see the passion and commitment that is so true I had a one of our first episodes we talked to someone from Fairtrade USA and she said the benefit too for companies for using fair trade practices is worker retention because of course workers are going to want to stay with your company because of all the benefits and like you said they take ownership of this company that's true that's true. So on the U.S. side, you became a Fair Trade Federation member. That's super exciting. So when did that yes. happen? And do you find that the consumers recognize this label? Does it help tell your story? I think the educated consumers, I don't think the average person does it makes a difference. Mm. That's why somebody actually a few weeks ago, they recommended that we should put our product on a certain platform. And I'm like, that's like, it doesn't feel right to put this product. We don't know if it will sell, but Mm. it does not feel right. But I think the educated consumer might, they would recognize it if we, Mm. yeah. So we also are getting another certificate we're trying to get our sustainability certificate mm. okay. and by yeah so i think i think that the i think there's two parts is the consumer and the industry the industry is recognizing that 
if they want to survive the coming 10 years, they have to support these like sustainability fair mm -hmm. trade because yeah. the new generation is going to push back. So we, we, we have to educate, you know, for Zaki, you have to educate the parents and the grandparents because who's doing mm -hmm. the purchasing are the parents sure. and grandparents. But for Derza, who's doing the purchasing is people who have income, mm -hmm. disposable income. So we assume people who come and purchase from us are educated and they're interested mm -hmm. in our product because of, we are fair trade, nonprofit, we're empowering women yeah. and we're handmade. So we assume that they are educated. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the brand. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think that having that logo, Fair Trade Federation, yeah. just builds more trust and builds more confidence in the consumers to yeah. know for sure. That's true. So what does a sustainable business look like in Palestine? What do you want to see in the future for these women and these businesses that you have? I would like to see the, the ability to grow hire more women mm -hmm. and and compete with other companies mm. yeah you know with big other companies showing that we have art in you know we have art we can contribute to sustainable ethical fashion we can contribute to education like my goal i would like to do is to have a toy Mm. from Zaki learning in each school. Mm. That's my hope. Yeah. Okay. My other hope is that I would like to develop a toy that I've been working on it for two years, but I'm like too busy to create a team <laughs> that will be, it's that will not only benefit people who can buy from us. My toy is I want to make sure that this toy will decrease the gap in, in computer literacy. Oh, so that's yeah. my my hope for this toy. And my hope is that everybody will need to play with it mm. and create more, you know, woman group that they can produce that toy, not only in Palestine and other countries. I don't know if this will happen in my lifetime or not, but that's my, like, I would like to spread that model to other yeah. countries. Yeah. Oh, that's, and, that, that. I would love to see Zeki Learning's toys in every school and knowing know. knowing our kids in Haiti, the toy that will decrease that computer literacy gap like is such a huge need. So yes. I hope it happens. <laughs> I, the only thing I need is like, I need to put a team together and get some funding running to mm -hmm. build this toy. Yeah. For, yeah, I, and for Darza, I want to be part of the sustainable ethical brands like yeah. you know knowing that we are here we are in big stores and small boutique our quality is good so we're like i want people to buy the product because it looks beautiful yeah. and they want to use it and they're interested to learn about us you know go go ahead and learn about us yeah. you know appreciate the amount of time women put in in yeah. developing that product yeah Yes. And I see that too. I mean, the quality of those products, it can definitely go, you know, it can definitely compete in the market level. Yeah. So I, I do hope that is an ideal future is if fair trade products can not just be a niche market, but can compete in the marketplace. Yes. 
that would yes. be amazing and we're gonna get there we're gonna get there together <laughs> yeah that uh, should come first <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we like to end every episode with a fun question uh what is your favorite product that you have <laughs> for which brand for let's say one of each i love the calendar mm -hmm. the calendar for, the, for zeki the, learning is mm -hmm. that the colors, the, the tedious work, the, mm. the, you could see everyone is unique. It's, it's, it's beautiful, colorful, cheerful. You learn like multiple things. You learn numbers, you learn date, you learn season, you learn weather, you, you learn yesterday, tomorrow, you learn the week, mm. days. Like there's so many ways of learning from this calendar. So I, I love it. There is a product which I would like to maybe, I have more than one. <laughs> it's <product>. okay. <laughs> yeah, I like the mules. Mm. The mules are, and the boots. Mm. The mules and the boots are fun. Mm. And my other one is the new canvas unisex bag. Mm. We're now, it's in cream, but we're having a new winter color coming like in, in coming two weeks. And it's like, I, what, Okay, let me back up. Mm -hmm. So for me, when somebody tells me what's your favorite thing, I will mm -hmm. always reluctantly saying I don't have because <laughs> I'm waiting for the next thing. Yeah. Because yes, okay. Sure. But I, I, I'm, I'm going to say there's. I know that we're going to have more favorite things. For yes. Me. Absolutely. For both brands, yeah. Yes, and I will link those products that you just mentioned in our show notes. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, those are exciting. And then we also want to end every episode asking our guests, what is one simple action step you want our listeners to to do after this, listening to this, um, just to make this world a better place? Be compassionate. Mm. It doesn't matter. You buy, you don't buy, be compassionate. Mm, yeah that's truly yeah. what builds empathy you know yes. everyone's dealing with different things and you got to have compassion to yep. empathize with each other yep. and it, it it would take you to places mm. you never thought you could do it mm. that is so beautifully said yep. yeah and we Oof. both experienced that yeah <laughs> And, and yeah, there's a lot, a lot of returns, mm -hmm. like, you know, emotional returns because of that, because people will be so surprised how much people appreciate that. Mm. Yeah. I think that's what connects the different cultures together too. Yes. Yeah. And bridges. Yes. culture. Beautiful way to end a lovely episode <laughs> thank you so much thank, thank you. you so much i'm so excited to share all the good work you're doing with the world thank you the same thank you i hope you enjoyed this amazing conversation with dr jeanette i totally teared up at the end now you must be ready to shop her two amazing brands zeki learning and darza Enjoy 15% off both websites with our exclusive discount code, FAIRTALKS. That's F-A-I-R-T-A-L-K-S. As always, you'll be able to find this discount code and all the links in our show notes at fairtradela.org slash podcast. Bye for now. 
I want to thank the creative team behind the Fair Talks podcast, our executive producer, Juliette Bucquerel, our editor, Caden Sullivan, our marketing team, Jasmine French, Elena Alcero, and Lizzie Case. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Fair Talks podcast. Thank you for being a part of our community and sharing the fair trade message. Thank you again to our sponsor, Fair Trade USA, for making this possible. Now, are you ready to create change? The next time you're out shopping, just pick up one fair trade item to buy, like coffee, chocolate, or bananas, and make a difference. Ask your office, church, business, school, or your family to shop more fair. If you have any questions or want to learn more, head over to fairtradela.org slash podcast for show notes, discount codes, and additional resources. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And follow us on social media at FairTradeLA to join our amazing community of fair trade lovers. Tune in to our next Fair Talks conversation to hear more life-changing stories. Thanks for listening.